Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. If you don't know who I am, I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, all of our church familia online and those at Everglades Correctional. I'm excited because uh, today we're, we're starting a new teaching series called Blockbusters. Everyone say Blockbusters. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. We all kind of have this, this idea of what a blockbuster is. And so I actually had to define it this week. It's as simple as this. A blockbuster is a movie that is popular and successful. That's it. It's popular and successful. And the top three blockbusters, according to the box office of all time, they are Avatar, it's still number one, Avengers, Endgame, and then Titanic. Any, anyone have a clue, if it was adjusted for inflation, what the number one blockbuster of all time would be? Anyone shout it out? It's actually Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind would be the number one blockbuster of all time. So we, we played this, this fun game on Thursday over our Familia lunch together as a leadership team. And we asked, you know, what are your top three favorite blockbusters? Again, popular and successful. So if it lost money at the box office, it's not a blockbuster. But if it made some money, then it's considered a blockbuster. And so we played this game and we shout out our top three. I'll just give you my top two. All right, it's Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and Wayne's World Part Two. So no judgment here. Why don't you shout out some of your favorite blockbusters? Go ahead and shout them out. Waterboy, A Few Good Men, Jurassic Park. That was a lot of people's. Anyone else? Anyone? Anyone have? What was it? Grease. That's a good one. Oh wow, that got the applause of people. A Ferris Bueller's Day. Oh, who said that? God bless you. Lord, we just pray for more favor upon her life. Man, I love that. See, there, there, there's so many great blockbusters. And, and if you grew up in the 80s or the 90s or maybe even the early 2000s, then you knew that, that the best place to, to go and to get a blockbuster besides a movie theater was what? Blockbuster video. Anyone have any great memories of Blockbuster? May they rest in peace. Like oh, a few of you, the rest of you, okay, you, you're super fancy, you just went to the theater. Like I just remember on a Friday night going with my family and all of us could pick out one movie. And so we'd spend an hour at Blockbuster, like looking at every single uh, uh, cover of those VHS. You guys remember VHSs? Yeah, some of, you, some of you here, don't don't raise your hand. You don't even know what a VHS is. I actually had to figure out what VHS stood for. It stands for Video Home System. And you put the, the VHS, this physical cassette, and you put in your VCR, your video cassette recorder. But at Blockbuster, you'd you look at the, the covers of all these movies and, and like, oh, you know, I haven't seen this one. The cover looks really good. Cover art was a big thing. But, but after you looked at the cover, you had to look behind the VHS to see if the video was actually there for rent and many times it wouldn't be there now you'd be heartbroken now you have to stroll the aisles for like another 15 minutes just so many great memories of blockbuster nights as a family but then there's also a lot of bad memories because you, you'd rent these movies and then you'd have two nights to watch it and if you didn't bring it back in time you would get a late fee 
Anyone have to pay a late fee at some point from Blockbuster? Yeah, most of us here. As a broke college student, I figured out this little tactic, this little skill. Each Blockbuster, it wasn't like globally. Um, if you had late fees, you could go to another Blockbuster and still rent a movie without having to pay those late fees. So as a broke college student, I had like four or five Blockbusters that I would go to. I owe this one $15, I owe this one 12 Oh, the one in university, I don't owe any money, and so I'm going to go there. And so they had all these fees. The late fee was one of them, but, but do you remember the most notorious fee of them all? You know, right? And, and what's this saying? They, they, try to, they try to like frame it in positivity. Be kind and rewind. Oh, be kind and would you rewind? Would you take literally a minute to press a button and be kind? Otherwise, we're going to charge you an exorbitant amount of money because you were too lazy. If you've had to pay, we're going to do a lot of call and response. I miss you guys. I don't want you to just hear from me. I want to hear from you. Has anyone here ever had to pay a rewind fee. Make some noise. Raise your hand. Come on. All right, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Listen, perfect place for imperfect people. Everyone else around who, who has their hands up, look at them and tell them this. Say, be kind and rewind. <laughs> Remind them of that. Be kind and rewind. That's the title of today's teaching. I've titled today's teaching. You can open up your apps and follow along on the screen. I've titled it, Be Kind and Rewind. Now, I'm so grateful that last week my coach, Sean, came and, and he challenged and encouraged us to start a positively contagious movement by living a life that reflects the good news of God, to, to, to reflect the love and the kindness of God all around us. And in South Florida, it's not that difficult to be kind. Are you aware of that? It's actually very easy to be kind, you know, we're, we're so used to people not turning on their, their, their clicker, their turning signal and just cutting you off. But if you just simply like do, do that or, or, or then extend it and go like, hey, can, can I cut through? Like people will let you in. And, and anytime someone does that to me, I'm like, wow, they, they were kind. Oh my gosh, God bless them. Like they were so nice. Because all they did was did, they, they put their clicker on and they waved at me. It's so easy to be kind in South Florida, to talk nice to people. Ask them how they're doing. Hold the door open for people. When someone holds the door open for you, to simply say thank you. Like, doesn't that drive you crazy? You open the door and they just kind of walk through. Like, well, next time I'm going to slam the door in your face. Because it's human nature for us not to be kind unless we're around people that we know. But the greatest way, the greatest way to show kindness is to live out the good news of God in our lives so that people can know that they have hope and freedom now and forever. So I want to talk about that today. We, we live here at the local church by, by five values, and one of them is love. And so I want you to open up your notes and write this down. Our value is that love happens here. Here's what we mean by that. God's love for me, say me. God's love for me is why I point other people to him. I just want to pause there for a moment and remind you that God loves you. Not, not just me. My life has been transformed. His love for me has set me free, but, but God's love is personal. God's, he loves you. He's always loved you. He will forever love you. His love and his kindness are always toward us. And the amazing thing is this love for us has been present from the very beginning. 
before you could mess up, before you were born, before your family's history, his love has always been there for us. Hebrews 13 verse 8, it'll be up there on the screens and in your app, it says this. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He remains the same. He's always been the same. He doesn't change. Verse 9 says, so do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Don't be swayed by all these new ideas about God and his kingdom and, and, and what it means to follow Jesus. He's been the same forever. And then Luke 9, 22, with that in mind, I want you to hear this. The son of man, talking about Jesus, he must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God's plan has always been that Jesus would die for imperfect sinners like us and then raise to new life, to give us new life in him. From the very beginning, this has been God's plan, that Jesus would die and resurrect. Now, does anyone remember the blockbuster, The Sixth Sense? You guys remember that movie? Okay, it has Bruce Willis and the young Haley Joel Osment. And, and even though this movie is 20 years old, uh, I'm a nice guy. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Uh, you're welcome. But if you remember this movie, you know, this little kid says, I see dead people. And it's all creepy and mysterious. And M. Night Shyamalan's like his first, his first entry into the, the mystery genre. If you've watched this movie, you all know that something significant happens at the end of the movie. There is this twist that now changes everything from what you watch from the beginning to the end. You know what I'm talking about? And if you know this twist, now it, it, it invites you to re-watch the movie from the beginning to see if everything pans out in light of this new revelation that you received. Something significant happens at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry here on earth, that when we understand it, just like the sixth sense, it makes us want to go back to the beginning of the story and see, does this pan out? Was this intentional from the very beginning? To rewind and to see that God's plan of kindness has been consistent throughout time. And that's what this series is all about. For us to, to see his goodness, his kindness, his love for us from the very beginning. For us to, to, to look at this from Genesis on. To see that it's not a story of, of, of many different types of heroes of our faith, but it's actually one consistent story about one king and his kingdom with a plan to save and set free imperfect sinners like us through the Son of God and our Savior, Jesus. And if we want to be set free, if we want to be set free from our guilt, if we want to be set free from unrealistic expectations that we placed upon ourselves or the church or our family, if, if we want to be set free from identity crisis 
the questions about purpose and belonging, if we want to be set free from sin and death to live forever, this freedom is only found in Jesus. And Jesus has been with us from the beginning. Jesus has always been there from the beginning to forever. I want you to turn to someone and remind them again. Be kind and rewind. Tell them that. Be kind and rewind. We're, we're going we're gonna to start at the end, and then what we're going to do in this, in this teaching series is we're going to go back. We're, we're going to Marty McFly. We're, we're going back to the future. That's what we're going to do. We're going to start at the end, and then we're going to rewind, and we're going to see the kindness of God for you and me from the very beginning. So let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 will be there on the screens. Even though throughout Jesus' ministry, he constantly reminded his disciples what we read in Luke 9, 22, that he must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Even though he consistently and constantly told them that while he was with them, they forgot. They didn't remember, and they didn't believe him. So Luke 24, 13, here's the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's died, he's resurrected. Verse 13, it says, That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened, Jesus' death and his crucifixion. And while they were talking and discussing together... Jesus himself drew near and went with them. He, he resurrected in the flesh. And now he's walking with them. But verse 16, it says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. After the disciples had witnessed everything that had happened, they'd seen their savior go up to the cross and was crucified and died and buried. They're discussing what happened. Their, their disappointment that the one that they thought would set them free has now been humiliated, died, and, and, and buried. And as they are walking and talking about these things, Jesus begins to walk with them. But they didn't recognize him. Now, how does that happen? I'm not very good with, with names, um, you know, it, it's for many reasons, but I, I try my hardest. Uh, someone will tell me their name, and so I'm like, okay, they matter to God, and so remember their name. And then I'm like trying to do all these mnemonic devices to try to remember their name, and then I'm forgetting. I'm not even listening to what they're saying, so I'm like, no, no, they matter more than, than, than you know, like than the information to share. So, so let me start listening to their conversation. Let me listen to what they're telling me so that, you know, it's not just, okay, I know your name. And, 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 and all this stuff goes on in my head, and so when I start listening to what they're telling me, then I forget their name, and I'm just bad with it. And it's happened so many times. Has that happened to anyone else? else? Yeah, yeah, I'm not the only one good. You can't be mad at me. I just remember a little while ago, I'm out uh, eating dinner with my family, and, and someone at another table says, hey, Pastor Eric. I'm like, oh, how's it going? And so I go over the table, and while I'm walking, I'm like, what was her name? What was her name? What was her name? Oh my gosh, I don't remember the name. And so now I'm talking to them, and I'm saying things like, oh, that's awesome, buddy. Yeah, brother, that's so cool. And it wasn't just her names. Here's the thing. It was her faces. I didn't, I didn't know who they were. I'm like, 
do I know you? I didn't say that, but in my mind, I'm thinking that. And they're telling me all these things about me and my family. I'm like, you obviously know me, but I don't know you. Like, how is that possible? And then it dawned on me. The only reason, the only way that I could not recognize who they were, it had to be that God made me forget. <laughs> I mean, that's the only reason, right? No, of course not. But, but for these disciples, maybe that's what God was doing. Maybe God had them forget what Jesus looked like and how Jesus spoke so that in that moment they wouldn't just be so fixated on he's alive, but they'd be able to receive what he wanted to share with them through this revelation. And maybe that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do here in this place today. These disciples, they, 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 they had walked with Jesus. They had understood uh, his heart for people. And now he's walking with them and they don't recognize him. And verse 17, it says, and so Jesus said to them, what is this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas, which, little side note here, that's Jesus' uncle. I mean, how's that? That's Joseph's brother. He was there for the birthdays. He was there for Thanksgiving. They, they didn't have Thanksgiving back then. He was, they didn't have Christmas either. He, he was there for all the holidays. And even he did not recognize. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And Jesus said to him, I love Jesus. He says, what things? Oh, he's playing along. Well, tell, tell me more, please. I, I want to know about this person of whom you speak. What, what do you know and what do you believe about this Jesus? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him, verse 21. But we had hoped... But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now been the third day since these things had happened. We had hoped that he would redeem Israel. We had hoped that he would be the one to set us free from this terrible government. They thought they knew who Jesus was. They thought they know why he came. But to them and so many other people in this time, Jesus came for them simply to make Israel great again. Oh, he's going to redeem us. He's going to set us free. He's going to bring us back to our glory days of kings and, and kingdoms. And because they misunderstood who Jesus is and why he came, they missed him in that moment. They missed him. Now, what about us? How often do we miss him because we have created an image and an idea about Jesus that has left us disappointed, right? We have these ideas of who Jesus is and what that means for us, but when he doesn't give us what we asked for, when he doesn't answer our prayers for that person, I just wanted to marry them and why did they break up with me? I just wanted that job. Why did you give it to, to Sally over there? She didn't deserve it. How many times have we been profoundly disappointed because this image of Jesus didn't meet our expectations? 
Another blockbuster, Talladega Nights. You remember that movie? You have Ricky Bobby praying at the table, praying to little baby Jesus, six pounds, seven ounces, and his golden fleece diaper. Why? Because he said, I love the Christmas Jesus the best. His buddy Cal chimes in. He's like, yeah, yeah. I, like to, I like to envision my Jesus wearing a tuxedo shirt because it means he's, he's casual, but he also likes to party, right? And we, we think it's humorous, but don't we do that? Don't we take all these ideas about God that, that we like and we say, well, th- this is my Jesus. I like this Jesus the best. And we create him in our own image. We make our Jesus like the things that we like and get upset about the things that upset us and vote for the candidates that we like and and love the countries we love and hate the people that we hate. And we make Jesus into our own image when it should be the other way around. I want you to write this down. Jesus is not a sum of our thoughts or ideas. Jesus is God. And we were made in his image. He's not a sum of our thoughts or ideas. He's not an amalgamation of of the things that we like. I I like a God who, who, who has an eagle on his shoulder. I like a God who wears Birkenstocks. I like a God who, who eats vegan. I like a God who's for whatever it may be. He's not a sum of our thoughts and ideas and desires and wants. He's God. And he's made us in his image, not the other way around. Has anyone ever tried to sum you up? just to take a little snippet of what they see or what they think about you and now say, this is who they are. I know everything about them based off of the the 10 second dialogue I had with them or the the picture on social media that that I saw or, or the way that they responded to someone else. How does that make us feel when when someone creates an identity for us based on a little bit of improper information? I remember uh, my 12th grade AP English teacher. His name was, why'd I throw an AP? (laughs) Sorry, like, oh, he was an AP English. uh, Dr. Kasnow was his name. And um, man, I loved his class. He got me to look at stories and watch movies in, in a new way, not just to see it as entertainment, to see it as education, to analyze things and part of why we're doing this series. But, but Dr. Kasnow, he, he summed me up based off of what he saw. He had these stereotypes of Asians <laughs> and then he, he made me try to fit an image of what he thought every Asian was. Now, just like The Sixth Sense, I don't want to spoil that movie for you. I don't mean to spoil this for you, but surprise, I'm half Asian, okay? Uh, I don't know if you can tell. I'm half Korean, and some of the stereotypes about Asians is that they are very good students. You ever heard that? Uh, They're just such great students. They study so well. Some of the other stereotypes is that they're bad drivers, they know martial arts, and they're all ridiculously good-looking. And the last three are true, but, but the first one, at least in my life, it wasn't very true. And so Dr. Kaznow, he once told me, he says, you disappoint me, Eric. Specifically, he said, because you are not like all the other Koreans. 
<laughs> we talk about like a shock and like a, a punch of the gut. I disappointed my teacher just because I wasn't like every other Korean. He didn't know what made me me. He didn't know my passions. He didn't know my desires. He didn't know my goals in life. All he knew was that I didn't make straight A's. Jesus didn't fit the idea of these two disciples. Why? Because they did not truly understand who he was. He was a man. He was a good prophet. They didn't understand why he came. And so in verse 25, Jesus said to him, Oh, foolish ones! Slow to heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary? Was it not the most important that the Christ should suffer, should suffer these things and enter into his glory? These followers, they had heard Jesus teach. They had heard Jesus uh, combat the, the religious leaders. But not only that, they, they grew up in the temple and they learned the Torah underneath a rabbi. And like many of us, we've grown up in the church and we've, we've read these stories of these characters of how we can live a life of faith. These followers of Jesus... They grew up in the temple and they read the same stories. And what Jesus was saying to them and what Jesus is saying to us is that if they would have really looked at everything God wanted to teach them, not through the lens of simply learning, but to be transformed, they would have understood that this is why Jesus came. That this was his plan from the beginning. That the one who would set them free forever and in every situation would come through suffering, not strength. And why would they have known that? Because that's interwoven in everything in this book. That is the story that is the point from the very beginning. What Jesus was saying was that his death, had they really understood, had they really sought to, to see the Savior in these scriptures and not simply learn information, they would have understood if they believed that, that his death didn't negate the fact that he was a son of God and savior, but it actually confirmed it. That the savior who would set them free would not come in strength, but he would come in weakness. That he wouldn't simply be a, a conquering king, but first he would be a suffering servant. And so I want you to write this down. I want you to think about this. Jesus doesn't want to leave us with good information. He wants to leave us with transforming truth. He doesn't want us to come here and be wowed and be amazed. He wants us to come here and be transformed by his kindness and his goodness. And so Jesus didn't want to simply leave them with, with, with some, some good information, some generalized pointers of, of what the prophets had said. Luke 24, 27, it says this. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them what? 
Say loud. In all the scriptures, the things concerning who? That's the key. I want you to take that in as we begin these blockbusters. To explain to these followers who he was. He didn't start with his birth. He didn't start with the Sermon on the Mount. He went back to Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Isaiah, the Psalms, all the way to Malachi to show that all of this was about him. That this story, their scriptures, were all about him. To show them, this is the sacrifice I am. This is the burden I came to bear. I'm the promise that God had, 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 had given from the very beginning. I'm the blessing that God wanted to bestow upon his people. As Jesus walked his way through the writings of Moses and, and the prophets, he didn't just point out specific prophecies, which, by the way, for most of my life, this is what I believe and how I believe the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. It just pointed out specific prophecies. Oh, he'd be born of a virgin because the prophet said that. He, he would ride on a donkey in Jerusalem. He didn't just point out prophecies. He pointed to himself in all of them. When Jesus was talking through these heroes of the faith, these fathers and, and these mother figures that we have to, to, to learn from, he didn't just simply point out ways that we can follow their example to live a life of faith. He showed that, that everything is about him. It's not bad to, to look at these Bible stories and see what we can learn, but that's not how Jesus taught. He didn't teach that way. He didn't walk through the Bible, walk through the Old Testament, showing us all the things we need to do for God. He, he showed us everything that God has already done for us. This is important. Because there's morality in God's word and morality is good, it's great. But that's not primary. There's miracles and the supernatural and history and good religion. All that stuff is, is good, but, but it's not primary. It's not the most important. Everything from beginning to end is about Jesus. Some of the things we'll talk about in the next few weeks. I can't imagine in that moment that Jesus took them back to the story of Noah and said, you know what you need to do? You need to be able to go against the crowd and do what God's told you, even though everyone else thinks you're crazy. And that's a good lesson, right? More than likely, Jesus says, you know, the one who, whose name means rest, just like the world had to come to him to face safety from punishment. Come to me. Find your rest in me. He didn't go to the story of Abraham and Isaac and say, listen, you need to be willing to give up the most important thing to follow God's. More than likely, he said, do you see how that father was willing to sacrifice his one and only son? That's what my father did for you. He didn't go to the story of Joshua and, and, and paint this, this nice moral leadership picture of, of forgive your enemies in those moments, pray for those who persecute you, 
Jesus probably said, remember how everyone had to go to one man named Yeshua to be saved, to receive food. Well, I'm the bread of life. And if you come to me, I'll set you free. I'll save you. I'll satisfy your every longing. From the very beginning, it's always been about Jesus. And so Luke chapter 24, verse 28, it says, So they drew near the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table, he took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave to them, verse 31, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. A little side note here. If you have people your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, even your enemies, and, and they can't see the goodness of God and the kindness of Jesus. It's not your job to open up their eyes. You, you can't do it. They're blind. And the only one who can heal their spiritual blindness is God. So we keep on praying for them. We keep on loving them. We keep on living a life of positivity and grace. We keep on inviting them to come with us to hear of this good news. They're blind. They're not stupid. You don't tell a blind person, you can't see it? What's wrong with you? That's not kind, is it? So we continue to pray for them. Lord, would you open up their eyes like you've done with these? Would you open up their eyes like you've opened up my eyes to see your grace and your goodness and your love? Luke 24, 32. Final passage we'll read. They said to each other, after all this, after the Holy Spirit opened their eyes to see that this was Jesus with them all along. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And that's what I'm praying happens over these next several weeks, not just on Sundays, but for Mondays through Saturdays as well. That the spirit of God who's present with us right now, who lives within us, followers of Jesus, and who walk with us wherever we go, will burn in our hearts to experience to see, to know, believe, and be transformed by the kindness of God through Jesus, our Savior. Over the next several weeks, I'm telling you, we're going to look at God's word in a way that, that most of us have never seen before. And it's going to be interesting. We're going to talk about these blockbusters and show things that, that you did not learn in vacation Bible study. And so I want to encourage you to invite your friends and invite your family as, as, we, as we look through these, these blockbuster stories of our faith. But, but I'm telling you, it's not to intrigue us. It's not to give us information that we didn't once have. But it's to transform us. Because if all we do is uh, or we're amazed or we're intrigued by the information, it, it's worthless. In fact, sometimes it's even dangerous if it doesn't lead us to transformation. But I'm telling you, today can be the beginning of that transformation. Today, we can experience the fullness of God's kindness and love that happens here for us. 
And how does that happen? It begins with release. Final point I want to give to us today. When I release, say release. This is our year of release. We're just believing that when we let go to God and, and let God go and do what he wants to do, that, that he releases upon us more than we could ever imagine. And so when we release what I want Jesus to be for me, when I release all the expectations, all the ideas, all the preconceived notions of what Jesus can do for me, I can get a better revelation understanding that leads to transformation of how much more he's for me. It all starts with release. I want to invite you to stand to your feet right now. Just begin to release. If you're not aware on your way out, we have this, this, this big display that says it's our year of release. And right next to that, there's some cards and we're just believing we're going to write some things down and we're going to put it in there and we're going to believe that in 2022 as we learn to let go to God that God would restore and release greater things upon us but our part is to let go to him and so maybe you have some unrealistic expectations of what Jesus should have done for you now's the time just to let that go say God I'm sorry I made you in my image. I made you a genie in a bottle, the one who'd make me win the Powerball. But God, I, I let go of that to you. Maybe for you, you need to release some identity issues about yourself of, of what you think needed to be done or how you should have acted for you to be loved and approved and accepted by God. Just give that to God. God, I, I thought I had to be just like Pastor Eric or, or I had to be perfect in every single way. But God, I know that you love me as I am. Whatever it is you need to give to God right now, expectations about the future, desires for your today, his presence is here. And when we release those things to him, in return, we can receive his grace, receive his love, receive his kindness for ourselves. Let's just do that right now. God, I give to you this. I give to you this relationship. I give to you this prayer. I give to you this desire. I give to you this hurt and this pain. I let go of it to you, God, because in your hands, you can do far more than I could ever imagine. And as you continue to give those things to God in, in just a posture of surrender and receiving, would you just lift up your hands and say, and Lord, I receive everything you have for me. Your way is better. Your way is greater, and I'm going to trust you. Just receive his kindness over your life, his power through his presence. You know, love happens here. His love for us is why we do what we do, is why we're taking this time to release. And some of you right now, you're experiencing that. You're feeling a burning in your heart. Don't ignore it. That's, that's the Spirit of God trying to open up your eyes to see how much you are loved. And so if you've never received the grace of God, today's the perfect day. Lord, I pray right now with with those who are feeling this burning in their heart by your spirit. God, we release to you and we surrender our sin and our ways, what we used to do, 
what we believe about church and what we believe about you and what we believe about ourselves. God, we release all of those things and receive your promise. Help us to believe, Jesus, right now that you are the Son of God who's come for me from the very beginning, that you are grace and truth, that you are love and that you love me specifically, that your love is enough to transform me to who you've created me to be, that your love is enough to forgive me of all my sin and set me free forever, that your love is enough to transform me as I'm walking with you from now until the end of my life, that there will be peace and grace and power like never before. I receive all of that today, believing your love for me. And Jesus, as we receive that, and as we continue to release, I just pray that we would be filled with confidence and hope, Lord, as we, as we open up your word on Sundays and throughout the week, Lord. I pray that we would see you more clearly, that it wouldn't be religious repetition, that it wouldn't just be simply a spiritual discipline, but it would be time in your presence where we are made whole, where we are transformed, where we are set free, where we receive life forevermore. Thank you, Jesus. We believe you are good. We believe what you can do. And we surrender everything to you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people of God said, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.